what I recommend is just think about your ideal person and what can I give them that's a really quick win that they could have within five to 10 minutes. Well, hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Rock Your Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Boker, a serial entrepreneur on a mission to help you. This show is designed to teach you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to take massive action and build a future-proof business. So whether you're just starting out or taking your existing business to the next level, this is your home. Now, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's rock your brand. Hey guys, welcome back to the Rock Your Brand podcast. This is episode 870. And today, I'm pretty fired up because I've got another featured guest. And what an incredible story. Young guy, by the way. and uh, But already has been through so much. And it's just kind of crazy that when you when you start out in life, as far as like getting ready to graduate high school and then decide what am I going to be for the rest of my life? That's really a that's really a hard thing to ask someone that is so young and hasn't really even tried many things as far as like what you want to do long term. And today's a perfect example of that because Daniel Throssel, who actually was introduced, I was actually introduced to him by uh, Nick Loper uh, from uh, Side Hustle Nation, and uh, he brought him over to me and said, Scott, you got you to gotta talk to this guy because number one, he's great at his craft, right? So I wasn't even getting him on to necessarily talk about his story, although I always like to highlight and dig into someone's story because it's always, it's always important to see where they came from and to also understand that it's not all, you know, all perfect, right? But Right now, I mean, he is, you know, well-known in the copywriting space for some really large authors that he writes for. Now, if you don't know what copywriting means, it's basically just a fancy way of saying he's good at writing persuasive copy that allows people to do things or take action. Uh, We use this in writing emails. We use this in writing sales copy. We do this in writing an ad on Facebook or a social media post. So, The other cool thing that I was able to do, because why not, he came on the podcast, is we kind of turned the second half of this into a little bit of a training session, and I dug into some email copy stuff as far as like subject lines or what you should write in your emails and all of that type of stuff that I've talked about here myself, but we go through some examples, and uh, it's really interesting to listen to his perspective. We also talked about, is email dead? And um, you're going to hear his response to that, and he kind of laughed a little bit uh, when I said that, but uh, he's doing uh, client work for a lot of really successful people, uh, and he's going to shed some light on what's working right now. So you got that to look forward to as well, but really the story of him graduating high school, going to the university, he's from Australia, uh, and then uh, graduating from college and becoming an engineer, and then finding out that, uh, well, not really quite sure if I want to do this for the rest of my life, and then, and he's going to tell his story, but, and then something crazy happened by him throwing his name in the ring and, uh, and putting himself out there, and he ended up Well, I'm not going to give it away, but he won this thing that changed his life forever. So you're not going to want to miss this interview with Daniel Throssel. And like I said, you're going to be inspired, motivated, but you're also going to learn 
through all of the things that he's done up to this point, but really a lot of that copywriting stuff when it comes to email writing and all of that stuff. So guys, I'm going to stop talking so you can enjoy this interview that I did with my new friend, Daniel Throssel. Enjoy. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day in, uh, in this early, is it, oh, it's late night for you, early morning for me, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's 9 p.m. In, in that's Perth, right western australia <laughs> yeah 9 p.m and little kids <laughs> yeah that doesn't sound late does it but like to me as a father of young kids is like oh i'm normally in bed now i'm yeah. so lame yeah yeah well hey i've been there done that and uh i i get it man it's uh it's it's not easy it's uh it's actually a job in itself that's why i give uh, stay-at-home moms a lot of credit because they're there all day without that break uh-huh. you know Absolutely. So, um, so cool. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I actually, uh, was introduced to you from, uh, Nick Loper, uh, which, uh, he, he gave me the intro to you and, um, and he said, you know, you, you really gotta, you know, check him out, you know, Daniel, because, uh, you know, he's really, really good at this email, uh, this email stuff. And I said, well, I love email, so let's get him on. And so you and I had a little bit of conversation back and forth and here you are. So, what I want to do today, though, before we, before we dive into really teaching a little bit around, you know, the email marketing side and all of that, I want to know a little bit about you. Like, Daniel, like, you graduated high school. What were you, you know, what were you, what were, where were you heading? What was your dream? What, what were you going to be when you grew up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, very shockingly, it wasn't anything to do with email marketing or copywriting, which, which is what I am now, right? I, I, I'm an email copywriter, basically. And when I graduated high school, I thought I was going to be an engineer. I actually studied engineering at at, at university for five years, graduated, worked as an engineer for three years. um, And I hated it. (laughs) I absolutely hated it. It was so boring. I had to actually work on this remote island. I had to fly in, fly out a month at a time, do these 12-hour shifts for 28 days in a row, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. It was terrible. Wow. Um, so copywriting was like email marketing was never a, a thing of mine. And it was actually, it was totally by chance that I actually entered this contest one day from, from Ramit Sethi, email marketer. And he mm. had this copywriting contest. I didn't even know what that word was, but mm. I saw it and I was like, well, I like Ramit, so I'm going to try it. And he write this sales letter. It was just a terrible thing. Um, but it won the contest. And that wow. was just like the moment you know, just there's moments like that where it's like, maybe I could make a change in my life. You know, no one had ever laid out a path differently other than go to school, study, get good grades, get that job. Mm -hmm. And suddenly there was this thing like, it was like this door was kind of opening to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I sort of wanted to explore that a little bit further. So let's back up a little bit. So you're, you're, you know, flying in and out of this to this remote island, you, you're following uh, Ramit, which um, I'm assuming is probably around, because he, I, I mean, back in the day, it was always about like how, not just to invest, but like how to save money, how to, how to hold on to your money, like all of that type of stuff. Where was this contest introduced? Like, how, like walk me through that real quick, because that, that's a pivotal moment for you that it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, you did this thing. If you never did that thing, I've, I actually wrote a book called The Take Action Effect, and it's all about these moments that we take that change the tra- trajectory of our yeah. life. That's one of them for you, right? I mean, you never write that. You know, who knows where you'd be, right? So walk me through that. What made you go, uh, you know what, I'm going to, and what was it? What was the contest for? 
Right. So he, it was back when he was just starting to sort of get into the start a business thing. And okay. he, um, as, as someone who was not really loving my job, I was mm-hmm. thinking like, is this really what I have to do? Do I have mm. to keep doing this? Like this job that I don't enjoy flying away here. I mean, the money was good, but the job was terrible. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, was talking about starting your own business. And it had just always been this pipe dream thing. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I always in my head thought it's something other people do. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to do it. I don't know mm-hmm. how to start a business. But he was writing about that. And he was actually launching this new course about copywriting. And so to promote it, he had this contest where if you wrote copy, um, you, you would, uh, to promote his course, that was your entry. And he was going to oh. pick the best one and he was going to call them uh, to talk about copywriting. And I was mm. just like, well, what have I got to lose? You know, just might as well have a go. And it's totally like you said, if, if I hadn't done that, I would still probably be sitting at a desk somewhere. Well, I wouldn't be now. We'd all be locked down. I probably have lost my job. So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So it was definitely a defining moment. So, and I mean, that's brilliant on Ramit's part too. I mean, he's having people write his sales page for him basically for free. And then he gets to pick the best one and maybe even tweak it or work with that copywriter. So that, that's pretty brilliant on, on his part. Um, so how long was the sales letter and what kind of experience did you have with writing? Right? Like at that point. I did not even know what, you know, like copywriting now I understand what it is, but I had never heard the word copy in that context before. I thought it just meant like copy and paste. So yeah, yeah. the answer is almost no experience with writing other than writing emails and stuff as an engineer. Right, right. Like there, there was no experience with sales writing or anything. It was mm. completely cold. Mm. Um, so that, that letter, <laughs> it was some terrible little sales letter called uh, uh, How I Got My Wife to let me spend $200 on one ebook. And it was talking about how I'd bought one of Ramit's products a few okay. months before that. And so I made my sales letter about that. I didn't know anything about sales letters. I had nothing. Mm. And the funny thing was there were all these actual copywriters who went in and they, they tried all their copywriting tactics. They were like, how to get 2X, 5X, 10X the time to your business by mm. getting Ramit's new course. And it was just yeah. all the formulae and stuff. And I beat those guys because I didn't know that. So I came in with this fresh perspective, not knowing how to do it. And Ramit loved it. He said it was better than most professional copywriters he'd seen at the time. That was my first one. So that was wow. crazy. That is crazy. So you went into writing that sales letter with, without any, any copy formulas, right? There's like, you didn't have this like seven steps that have to be on a sales page. And you're like, you know, you're not even really knowing what those are. How did you, how did you come up with writing it? Like, I mean, like, how did you, I'm just trying to walk through, like, if I sat down at that point in time, I'm like, I don't even know how to write this thing. Like, so what, how do you put that down on paper? Just telling your story? Yeah. The funny thing is it's something maybe that I did by accident that first time that I would uh, several years later now as a more experienced person saying it's probably the right way to do it is not, not to use rely too hard on the formula or anything. It's just to think about where is the person reading this? What are they thinking right now? And what do I want them to be thinking by the end of this? And which is mm-hmm. the essence of any, not even sales writing, just any writing that you want to make someone do something. And mm-hmm. it can be, you know, sending an email to someone, ask, inviting them to a party, whatever. You're just thinking about where are they? And what do I need to say to get them to where I want them to be? And mm. I really just did it with that in mind. 
I, okay. I wrote to, I pictured my friends who own small businesses and I thought, what would be interesting to them about this? And I thought, well, I'll tell a little story because that'll be interesting because they're my friends. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk about how that happened for me and how it could happen for them. And wow. to me, that was just, I just thought that was a natural way to do it. And it turned mm-hmm. out to work okay. I mean, looking back on it, I could have done better, but you know, mm-hmm. it worked out all right. That worked out great. So, okay. So now you, you get the, uh, you get the, you know, the W, you get the win, right? And, and so what happens from there? You know, like, okay, you get this win, but what does that actually look like? So what happened was it, it, it took us several weeks for him to announce the winner. And I remember sitting there, I was, I was at work, you know, and I was meant to be out on site, go out to the okay. gas plant and inspect some cables, you know, and I was late for an inspection, but I, cause he had this webinar where he was going to announce it. And I'm sitting there at my desk, like ready to run out. And I could just one earphone pressed in and he gets like, and he's describing the copy. And he says, and the winner was Daniel Trossel. And I like have to throw my hands over my mouth so I'm not screaming in the middle of the office. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Because it was like a very star-studded moment for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just like ran out to the field, look at those cables, didn't even know what I was doing. I was just too happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably a safety hazard. Um, yeah. And then basically I got to, I, I had a chat to him on the phone. That was, that was sort of the deal. He sent me his favorite three copywriting books and we got to talk. And I just said to him, uh, he's like, okay, cool. So let's talk copy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't actually know what, what copy is. That was the first one ever. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> I wow. said, yeah, um, what should I do if I actually want to do more of this? Yeah. And he was like, he was not expecting to, you know, this conversation to be at such a basic level, but he's like, okay, we'll have to take a step back. And he, he gave me some advice. He was like, you know, you should start building a portfolio, start reaching out to people and connecting. Um, and here are some books that I would read. And so I did Mm. pretty much everything he said. And I actually ended up going on Upwork, which, you know, everyone, everyone's really down on Upwork, but I went on there and I started, um, pitching for jobs there and I started winning them. And so within a few months, I had actually, um, had enough work there that I said to my wife, I was like, I think I want to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. can I quit my job? And it was a really Mm -hmm. scary moment. Mm. Um, but she was, she was willing to support me. And so I ended up quitting my job freelancing there and, um, picked it up from there basically. Wow. So that moment there, that's a tough one. I've been at that, at that spot where you had a job and, uh, and from there you're going to make that leap. Um, what I I always kind of, I like to dig into this part of that, like in your mind, it's scary as heck, right? You got the support of your wife. That's cool. That helps. Right. But was there a safety net of any kind there that you could fall back on or did you, you know what I mean? Like what was, what was there that was allowing you to take that leap and, you know, say, if this thing doesn't work, I can always blank. You know what I mean? Like, and for me, I've always had like construction in my background. I could always go out and be a general contractor, like whatever, right? Like photographer, we were that one. So there's like other things that I could fall. What was yours? What was something that you had that was kind of a safety net or didn't you have one? Well, you know, I, I always felt, I'm sure I'll be able to get back in here. They, they were, Mm. I worked for Chevron and they were really keen on me. They okay. were really keen on me. They, they actually uh, were laying off a bunch of staff at the time I left. Mm. And um, I volunteered to be laid off and they refused. 
they said, we wow. don't want to let you go. So I, mm. and you know, look, being laid off was a much more generous deal than quitting, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they mm. forced me to quit. They like, gotcha. we're not going to lay you off. So I had this sort of feeling like, I'm, I reckon I might be able to get my job back. But at the same mm. time, there was this part of me that was like, I don't, I don't ever want to go back. There was, mm-hmm. there was just something in me that felt I will find another way to do this. And I'd never viewed myself as that. Don't get me wrong. Like there are people who are like entrepreneurs and they'll go start 15 businesses. And that wasn't me. I was terrified. I was like, I'm throwing away the thing that I've worked my whole life for. And everyone told me I should. Mm. And, you know, friends and family were like, they're like, oh yeah, we support you. But I was like, this doubt in their voice. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Um, So it was really scary. Um, But I did feel that if I, if I really put my mind to it, we'd be all right. So somehow mm. I, I don't know if I ever planned on coming back. Mm. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think you ever do. But there's always like that, oh, but what if this doesn't work? You know, I mean, I made that decision once I left my, actually it's my father's business that I thought I was going to own one day and ended up after eight years finding out that wasn't going to be the case because there was a bad partnership. And then I was like, okay, now what, right? Like I devoted all this time and energy into building this business and thinking I was going to own it one day and then finding out that that wasn't going to be it. But I, I remember saying to myself when I made that first time, I said, I will never, ever punch a clock again. I'll never work for someone else again. And that's been 18 years. So I haven't had to go back to my safety net. Wow. Yet. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different ways out there to, to, to bring in money. You know what I mean? So um, anyway, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, uh, that's very helpful because a lot of people think, okay, if they looked at you today, they'd be like, oh, successful, work with a lot of successful people, help them launch products, help them write sales copy. Um, and there's, there's not like that part of that journey. A lot of people, they kind of gloss over that. And I like to dig into that because I think it's important that you have those same fears that we all have when you're making that leap. And, you know, if someone's listening right now and they're at that point, understand it's there for a reason too, right? It's there to say, hey, oh yeah, this is scary, right? But it's probably something you need to do. You probably got to listen to that and, and kind of push through it. So and appreciate and the, you doing that. The other thing is that once, once you make that leap, well, at least for me, it's not like suddenly it was all smooth sailing from there. There was <laughs> right. still, you know, three, five, six months after I quit, I remember sitting there feeling sick, like I've made a huge mistake. There's no mm-hmm. clients this month. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've screwed it all up. What am I going to do? And you know, it worked out eventually, but it's not, it's not like if I had judged, you know, at that moment in time, I would have said I've failed at this Mm -hmm. and that wasn't the case. So it it wasn't like you quit and then suddenly everything's all rosy still. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really important to know too, because you know, there's, it can seem like people, you know, they're just succeeding all the time and it's definitely not true. There are there's, there's, sure. there's, there's rough patches or as you know, a lot of people refer to them as seasons, right? You have these, these different seasons in life and as you evolve, right? It's like your, your journey will evolve. Like your journey probably started in the copywriting at a certain, you know, like being, like you said, on Upwork and then it's like, okay, but where did it pivot? Where did it change through that, yeah. through that journey? So kind of take us through that. So you, you started doing freelance work where you're, you're kind of like you're hired for a job what kind of jobs were they, by the way? Were they, were they specific to like launches or were they for, you know, like what kind well, of, was it just writing an ebook? Like what, like yeah, what was when, it? I don't, I don't want to sell the dream. Like there's a lot of people who sell this dream, like especially in the whole copywriting marketing space. Yeah. It's like become a copywriter and in two months you'll be making 10 grand a month. 
yeah, bulldust. Yeah. Like yeah. it was help me name my new website for 50 bucks mm. or write me this whole sales page for my course for, for a hundred bucks, you know, stuff mm. that takes several hours to do. You know, you're working for, for peanuts, um, just trying to get the reputation and experience. So originally it was whatever you could get. Basically mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. ever job I did was writing ads for, beard oils. As you can see, I don't really sport much of a beard. I know ne I've never been able to. So it was really ironic. Uh, but so oh, it was funny. basically whatever, whatever I could get to start mm. with. Um, as I got better and, you know, was able to build my own sort of brand there and reputation on Upwork, at least for the first year, because that's where I was mm -hmm. for the first year. Um, I did build sort of a, a brand and reputation there as okay. you know, someone who is really good and was able to start raising my rates and people started mm -hmm. coming to me. Uh, and, and that was sort of a pivot point where I stopped pitching for work and people started coming in and inviting me and saying, Hey, Daniel, can you work on this job? Mm -hmm. Um, which sort of culminated, um, eventually I was approached by, he wasn't at the time, he would be the next month. He, uh, Australia's best-selling author right now. Oh wow! And he contacted me. Yeah, he contacted me to launch the book that it's now the second best-selling book in Australian history. Wow! Um, but he approached me to help write the launch funnel for that, and that was about a year into my copywriting journey. Mm -hmm. um, so there had been a lot of build-up until then, um, mm -hmm. and then it, things really took off after I started working with him. Yeah, I was going to say. So you you kind of start getting these um, these names that you can add to your portfolio that I'm sure help, and then they also you know do introductions because now they have a network of people and they're like, Hey, who did you use? Right. You know, your copy. And they're like, Oh, Daniel. And you're like, Oh, cool. Give me his number. It's almost like old fashioned word of mouth. Right. It's like, um, it, it's kind of how it can work online as well. Not just like in person. So, um, that's cool. So, okay. So take us, take us to where we are like right now. Like what is your main, what is your main thing that you focus on right now? Um, because, you know, you, obviously you've, you've grown since you were doing Upwork, right? And freelance stuff. Where, where are you now and where do you spend most of your time? And then what I want to do is I want to lead into giving people some copywriting stuff that they can do with yeah. email. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, funnily enough, that author I mentioned with you was, was the, the biggest project I had. And he basically became sort of my main client. And I had other clients along the way. And that lasted for about four years. Oh, wow. Um, and we just wrapped that project up, um, a month ago. Uh, and oh, wow. so in parallel over the last, uh, six months, I started to build my own brand, which, mm -hmm. which I hadn't really, because I'd spent so long building his, you know, mm -hmm. which was great for him. You know, it's like, uh, super famous in Australia and I don't take all the credit for that, but, um, I hadn't done anything for myself. So over the last six months, I sort of been, um, working on my own company, the persuasive page, which has been not only promoting my own copywriting services, cause I still work as a freelance copywriter, but also moving into sort of teaching other people the art of, of doing, of how to do email and sales pages and do um, copywriting and marketing online. Mm. And so I've sort of been building my own list and something I know you're really big on mm. uh, building my own list, mailing it regularly and building trust with it. And the majority of those people are either, most of them are copywriters, uh, or, or their business owners who are writing their own copy and I'm showing them basically how to, how to do it. Mm. Uh, and so at the moment I'm, I'm coaching a few copywriters and working on a few, a few courses for, uh, how to systems for actually writing, writing the copy. So that's where gotcha. I'm at right now, really. Gotcha. 
So, uh, okay. So with that all being said, let me ask you this before we even jump into the email side of things. Um, is email dead? <laughs> I get that question a lot. Scott, is email <laughs> dead? No one reads email anymore. Well, oh my. If, uh, if email were dead, my family would have starved a long time ago because that has been yeah. the majority of what I have done for the last four years. Uh, and that, you know, my business now, as well as the, the author I've been working with, he basically had a back-end product, which was an info publishing business and mm -hmm. it was driven entirely by email. You know, mm -hmm. we marketed through, through email every week. We delivered our content through email. We did sales by email. Email is so not dead. Um, mm -hmm. It's, and it, I would argue that anything else is email is the only thing that you can really control. Mm. Um, if, if Facebook, I was, I was listening to a couple of your um, podcasts and I saw one of your recent guests had mentioned he got slapped with a Facebook ad ban yeah. on one of his accounts. Yeah, that was just, um, yeah. Yep. yeah. And so like, I'm not saying email is immune from that, but with email, you at least keep the list. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I would, I would argue personally, you're crazy if you don't have email in mm. your system. It's like, it's yep. the one you can control more than anything else. So why wouldn't you use it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, I was obviously saying that with a, I knew the answer that you were yeah. going to say because you and I are on the <laughs> same know. page there. Um, but I, I mean, Hey, if people want to think it's dead, that's fine. I'm still going to use it. And, uh, and we use it in, in any if, brand that we launch. My I mean, competition want to think it's dead. I'm, I'm happy for them to. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> better for me. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's less competition then, right? Like less, less email in the inbox. Um, okay. So let's, let's kind of get into it then. Let's, let's get into some, some tactics some strategies on uh, when it does come to email. Um, I think the biggest thing when starting, and I want to hear your thoughts on this when, when building their email list, right, is not just putting up a, you know, a form on your page that says sign up to my newsletter, right? Like, I think it needs to be more of a lead magnet that brings people in that you want to genuinely like speak to and they want to, they want to hear from you, right? Like they want to hear with that advice. So let's speak to how important is it? And also give us some, give us some, uh, I guess, different ways that we could do that without making it very complicated. Right. So I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent in line with what you just said. Um, which is, I mean, the way that I normally put it to, to a business owner, cause you know, the people you want to talk to in your emails is the people who are going to buy your stuff. Right. If, if I'm talking to a business owner generally. Sure. So I say, start with your ideal customers, start with your ideal buyers in mind. What are they, what do those people want most? And it helps if you've got real people right now who you talk to, who are on your list, who buy from you. Think of one person, not, not just a whole group of them. Think of one of them, you know, Dave. What does Dave really want? What is he struggling with? What does he want most from you that you can help him with? Mm. And you've got to think about how could I give Dave a really quick win that he could have in five to 10 minutes of joining my email list and I give him some, some opt-in magnet or bonus. Mm -hmm. And it has to be really quick. It can't be. Uh, a two week course that you give away for free because that's amazing, but no one's going to finish it. It's got to be something that Dave is going to decide he's going to put his email in for. He's going to get that. He's going to read it in five minutes and he's going to say, wow, um, that was really cool. I want to know more. Mm. Uh, th and there are so many ways to do that. Like you, you have like 
checklists and videos and mini courses and whatever. It's just got to be quick to implement and it's got to solve a problem that mm-hmm. your ideal buyer has. And I think a mistake a lot of people make is they're trying to appeal to too many people. You know, they're trying to attract people who aren't going to be a good fit for what they sell. That's why you have to start with the ideal person in mind, right? Mm. And on my website, I don't even offer an opt-in magnet, which you might say like, that's, that's crazy. You're contradicting your advice. But mm. because I want copywriters who are interested in copy. So I say, what you're getting is the emails. And so if you're not interested in that, don't opt in. And to some people, that's a really radical approach. But I'm yeah. saying it's perfectly in line with that philosophy because I thought about who are the people I want and what's going to be appealing to them. So I do tease actually my welcome emails kind of fun and really unique. And I do tease that a little bit, but there's no opt-in magnet traditionally. So what I recommend is just think about your ideal person and what can I give them that's a really quick win that they could have within five to 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I love that. And you're, you're 100% right when you say that because a lot of people think they have to give them like the ultimate like video series. It's like, no, we have to give them one simple thing. Like if I'm, if I'm, uh, I always, I always joke that I talk uh, to the, uh, the bass fishing market, right? Like if I'm talking to the bass fishing market, I'm not going to give them like every single way and different things that they can do to catch more bass where the best equipment and everything's going to be in this manual, this guide, it's going to be like five tips to catch more bass, right? Like some, like they can read it and be like, I'm going to go try it. Right. And if it works great and if it doesn't, well, I didn't lose anything. I just, it didn't work for me, but hopefully it will. Right. So uh, that's kind of what I'm seeing is like, once we do that, then we know where they're at, but also we can then lead them down that path that they're, they're on because now we know that they're trying to catch more bass. Right. So now we just have to keep showing them and helping them with this, but also knowing that there's other things to just catching bass. There's like the equipment and there's like, you know, the experience and, you know, maybe it's quality time with your dad, like any of this stuff, we know that. So that's where we can start to kind of bring that into the conversation. Um, is there anything else I'm missing there that you would add to that? I actually know. And I think you hit on a really important point, which is that just because you focused on one area to start with, doesn't mean you can't talk about more. Um, and so that the mistake a lot of people make is they think I have to, my market, if we take bass fishing, my mm-hmm. market is interested in fishing rods and in where's the best places to fish and in how to cast a line. And sorry, I don't fish. I don't know if these are real. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me. No, you're, you're good. Um, you're good. And, and so I'm you're like, either, so, so, yeah, so you're like, um, my, um, my guide is going to cover all those things, but you don't, you just say, here's the five best bass fishing spots in X town or, or something like yep. that, yep. you know? Yep. And mm-hmm. you don't just have to talk about that from then on. It's just people need one thing to get in. Yep. No, I, I love that. Okay. So let's, let's move into this. Cause th- this part here is like, uh, I think really important is we're sending an email, but how do we get them to actually notice it and actually want to open it? So let's talk about some tips on like good subject lines. And I guess what makes a good subject line, I guess would be the question. Yeah, well, there's, there's this old copywriting saying that um, your, your headline, like in the newspaper ad, it was kind of 80% of your advertising spend because 80% of people would only read the headline. So you mm. spend 80 cents out of your dollar when you run that ad. And email is kind of the, the evolution of that, really. So mm. it, it's basically where you have to stand out. And one thing I do as a copywriter, I don't recommend everyone does it because it will drive you nuts 
is I get on as many email lists as I can because it's my job to know what's working. Mm. Um, and that gives me this perspective. I wake up every day and my whole Gmail screen is this slew of white unread new messages. Mm. And it gives you a perspective of this is how many messages people are being bombarded by. Because when you send an email, you sit there and you're like, this is the best thing ever. And you don't right. think it's right. one in a hundred on their screen. Right. So you have to be... Um, you have to really put your A game into it. So what, what I do, like there are probably seven or eight different ways, which I think are really easy um, to try, to try for headlines that you could sort of vary. If, if you're happy for me to get kind of tactical here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's take bass fishing or let, mm-hmm. let's take fishing because you, 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 you're joking about fishing. Um, let's run through some ways you could do it. So I think, one of the biggest ones, and you can't always do it for obvious reasons, but it, it's news. Okay. Mm. So number one is doing news style headline. So it's like mm-hmm. announcing or introducing. So if you've got something new to tell them, people love new stuff. So announcing new type of fishing rod or something. We're selling new kind of fishing rod. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's one way you could do it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, a second one is, is to, and you can mix and match these, by the way, and I always would, is to use curiosity. So mm-hmm. like, um, is this the world's best fishing spot? Something mm. like that. It's like, yeah. uh, well, I want to know what that is. And, and you always want to sort of play on, play on the, um, the pains and sort of interests of the market. So mm-hmm. it's, is this the world's best fishing spot? If you're talking to a fishing market, you don't say, um, is this the world's fastest car? Because mm, right. that is not, <laughs> that's not relevant to the market. Right. Um, a, a third principle I'd use is to be sensational. And a lot of people cringe at that and they're like, oh, I don't really want to do that. But people like being excited. Everyone else is sending boring emails. So if you have mm-hmm. something like amazing two-second trick for doubling your catch, mm-hmm. uh, that's like, whoa, that's really cool. It's better than saying um, how to catch more fish, you know, mm-hmm. even though they'd be the same thing. Sure, so sure. third, you want to sensationalize a little bit. I'd say also you want to add some contrast in everything. So if you can say fish preparation secrets of a sworn vegetarian. It's <laughs> like there's this contrast there between vegetarian and fish or, or you know, um, line casting secrets of a, of a paraplegic or some, something like that. Mm. It's like your brain's like, how can that work? So mm. throwing some contrast in your subject lines is a really good way to do it. Um, a really good go-to is to use a list, uh, seven ways to bait your hook, you know, I, do you, do you actually fish or is, is it a joke? No, I, I do very little, very little. Okay. Um, I, and, do not. Uh, I would not, I would not <laughs> classify myself as even a novice, right? I'm still a beginner. I've, I've fished for, you know, like when I was a kid and stuff, but like for sunfish or yeah. bluegill or with a bobber and a worm. Right. Um, but I do have a pond right here and, uh, there is bat, there are bass in that pond and I do have some lures that I play around with, but no, I'm not, I'm not at all a legit bass fisherman. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering if I'm totally off base here. Cause I'm just looking at you like I'm making these up. I do not know. I'm anything sure we'll get some, fishing. I'm sure we'll get some emails saying we're way off, but that's cool. Right? <laughs> so, just a, a couple more. I, I, I use how to's a lot is mm-hmm. really people love that. There's some of my most popular subject lines, how to do something, how to catch your first fish in under 60 minutes. Mm. You know, that's, um, it's got a benefit in there and a how-to. People love that stuff. Um, you can be controversial. 
why I've decided fishing is immoral. Mm. Uh, and if you can, if you can, think, if you're a real passionate fisher and you get something in your inbox that just says why I've decided fishing or why I think fishing should be outlawed, you mm. are, your blood temperature goes up. You just have to click that to see what it is. Right. Um, and finally, sort of a different approach that you can take if it works for your brand. And I've seen some people do it. I try it myself sometimes is to sort of approach emails more as kind of how a friend would write uh, a subject line. And that would be something like your subject line would be, it's been a long day of fishing and I'm so beat. It's, it's not, it breaks all those rules that we just right. talked about. There's nothing It's terrible technically as a subject line, mm. but it sounds like a friend. Now, some yeah. brands can't get away with that sort of thing. It sounds really off. But mm -hmm. if you have a really personal brand, it can look like, oh, that's just my friend. Um, it's just my friend, Jeff, and he's just sending me his emails again. I love them. He's so funny. Mm. So uh, I, I mix and match a lot of, a lot of those principles. Um, and I try and mix as many as I can each time. Just, you know, blends like of curiosity it. and news and benefits and so on. Yeah, to, to, I, I, my I goal is to try and be the most interesting thing in the inbox. I mean, mm. I probably rarely ever hit that, but that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this then, because we're not going to really get into the tech tech side of things, but like deliverability. Like, so if you use certain characters, if you use a certain mm. words, you could get now flagged as spam in the Gmail or in the Yahoo or whatever. Right. Is there anything that you won't do in a subject line because it could do that? Or do you just say, you know what, if it does, it does. Well, uh, so my, my approach is more that if you are over the long term sending people good emails that they like to read, mm -hmm. uh, you are not going to have those problems in general. And a lot of people um, cut, cut their nose off to spite their face to try and get good deliverability. They're boring um, mm -hmm. or they don't do anything fun and people don't want to read it. And you have to remember that deliverability is going to hit you by you know, a, a few percent maybe mm -hmm. if you do something wrong in an email. But mm. people thinking, people reading an email of yours and deciding this guy's boring, that's going to kill your uh, results by a lot more than a few percent. Mm. So I, I, and I actually, ironically, I email my list every single day. I have never had a single spam complaint because mm. I contact them so much. Ironically, mm. the fact that I do it so much is they don't forget who I am. They get to know me. They don't think it's spam. If I hit them up once every two months, they'd probably be like, who the heck is this guy? And yeah. I get more complaints. Yeah. So it's a sort of paradoxical approach there. And not, not a lot of people will say that. They'll, they'll say, you know, avoid this character. Don't use emojis. Don't use dollar signs. I've done mm -hmm. all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't hurt me too much. So I think okay. if you focus on being interesting and helpful to people over mm -hmm. the long term, that will pay off. Mm. So, okay, let's, let's move into the actual email itself because now we've we've you know come up with a really good subject line that gets the open and now is it your job to give them the information in the email or to somewhat elude to it giving them a little bit of like an overview of what it is but then you're going to get them to click because i mean ultimately we want them to click somewhere um so how does that look um, it was funny. I, I did one recently and I had said something like, you know, three, you know, three ways to do X or something like that. And I didn't just put a list in there of the three ways. I talked about how important they were. And I talked about, you know, that you're probably doing this right now. And then I just said, you know, um, to, to watch, 
the video where I shared this, you know, click here or something like that. And I had someone say, they emailed back, they go, why couldn't you just give me the three tips? Like in the email, it would have saved me from going over and watching the video. But we all know that that's part of it, right? We have to create that curiosity, give them some of that information in the email, but not all of it. So they want to go and click over unless the email is, is the, the PDF in a sense that it's just inside of, a, right. of an email. So and what's your rule usually there? Well, what you just said at the end there is a really big factor for it because it's, it's, it's about starting with the end in mind. If you are building a blog, or, for example, and you need to build traffic to it, then you are obviously going to want to tease the link but not give it all away. Right. Um, for me, my strategy, and this is you have to sit down and think about this. You can't just be haphazard. Is mm. What do I actually want to achieve? I actually don't want to build a blog. I want my interaction to happen in the inbox. And that's a conscious mm. choice I've made for my brand, mm -hmm. that I want them uh, to interact with me in the inbox. Because the trade-off you will face is more than half of people won't click a link, no matter what it is. Even mm. if it's the greatest link, you, you will just have people who are not interested. Mm. Um, so you have, and that may be fine with you. That may mm. be perfectly fine with you. You say, I want the interested people. That's totally cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but you always have to remember that more people are going to look at it if it's in the email. So I am personally a fan of trying to create content that is designed to be consumed in the email. Now, mm. and I know that, you know, for a business like yours, maybe you have videos and stuff you're driving people to, mm -hmm. you have to drive them. So you do want to yeah. do a bit of tease. So what mm -hmm. you just described to me is exactly how I would have done it. But yeah. if, in general, I think creating email specific stuff um, and, and having the email sort of do all its work and then drive people to a link or something is, is mm -hmm. better than withholding stuff for the tease. Because mm -hmm. the downside, if, if you do that too much, is that people just end up thinking, well, he's just going to push me to another link and I don't have time for that. I don't have time mm -hmm. for a link. Whereas if yeah. they know that they're going to get the goodies in the email, they're more inclined to open. So yeah, it's, no, it's I, a balance depending it, on your brand. It is a balance. I, I, I agree with you. And it's funny, I've done that both ways too. Like the same thing that you're saying, like, uh, let's say for example, I'm doing an upcoming promotion for like, we, we recently did a Pinterest traffic workshop and that we were promoting. And so I just, I did it both ways. I said, okay, here's a little bit about what we're going to teach. Here's the link to go view basically the sales page. And then I said, you know what? Another email I'm going to send out. It's going to basically be the same copy that's on the sales page, just in an email form. Right. And I don't know if it was, if it worked out better for me or not. Um, I just do know that when I see the click, I see that that person is definitely more engaged. They're, they're letting me know they're more interested in that topic. Right. Because if I'm sending something out on email, if I'm sending something out on Pinterest traffic or a Google traffic or whatever, and someone clicks, it, it allows me to see the click that someone is actually more interested than someone that's just consuming and reading it. So that's one of the reasons exactly. why I like doing it that way. But I totally agree. If you want people to see the thing on the other side, just give it to them in the email if that's what you're after. And in your case, you're not really looking to build con or content out and have it be indexed by Google where people can search for copywriting articles, let's say. Um, maybe you are, but that's not your main strategy. Yours is to build a list Correct. and let them know my, my emails are my blog posts. And the only way you're going to get these Correct. is to be on my list. Right. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally right. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's great. It's again, you have to pick what's right for you. And I think, uh, you know, to, to your point, um, not, not every business is going to 
be the same. So just, you know, figure out which one it is for you. But um, so for you in, in your emails, it, are there any links ever in the emails? Is it to go to something yeah. else, another resource? So to, or, to, or no? to be clear, um, I, I have a link and I, I sell something in every single email. Uh, however, what, what, what I was talking about before is kind of linking to more content. Uh, mm. I very rarely do that. Um, mm. But I, I want the email to sort of be a sales pitch. And it, it might be a good segue here because um, what I, I was going to suggest, like if you are trying to do this, if you're trying to sell something in an email, because I do it all the time, mm -hmm. a really simple way to do it is start off with either a story, hook or lead, um, mm -hmm. something interesting. Then you pivot it to sort of a lesson, how you can apply it. And then you turn the lesson into a bit of a sale. So I use that three-part structure, something interesting, something mm -hmm. to teach and then something to sell in every email. What I normally pitch at the moment is a wait list to one of my products mm. or my services. Okay. Um, and, and the reason I do that is for the same reason, like when you get a catalog in the mail from your local grocery store saying these are the specials this week, you don't pick it up and go, oh, I'm so disappointed in you, you scammy sellers. You're always trying to sell me. It's like, that's normal. Yeah. That's what a business does. Right. I want that. I want to build that. Um, in my followers. I don't mm -hmm. want them thinking when I come with a sale once every two months, they're like, Oh, now you're trying to sell me. Mm -hmm. I want it to be expected that I'm a business and I'm going to give you cool stuff for free. And I'm also going to try sell you things. And that's perfectly mm -hmm. okay. Like we can respect each other in that regard, which is why I will put a wait list. If I'm not even selling anything, I'll have a wait list link for it in that email. Mm -hmm. And so I'll have a telephone story. I'll teach them something. And I'll say, if you want to learn more, is a wait list. And I find that to be a structure that I use in 99% of my emails. I like that. Yeah. And then that'll give you like super targeted people that are interested in that thing. Cause they're signing up to say, Hey, let me know when this thing's available. Cause I might buy it. Right. Exactly. Uh, especially as a freelancer, it's, mm. it's really good because it, it flips the game on its head and suddenly mm. I'm not the one looking for clients. If I need work um, and I don't, but if I do, there's this list of people who are there waiting for me and it's always growing because every day, you know, they get, there's another invitation to join it. And if I need work, I just hit up that list and say, I've got a spot, you know, first one to get back to me gets it. So it really flips the game on its head. When you have a wait list, you mm. become the in demand commodity. You're not mm. chasing people. They're coming to you. And that's a really powerful strategy for your brand you yeah, know, to, like to be high status. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And uh, I mean, heck, even if it's a product that you're going to be launching, whether it's digital or physical, to have a wait list for that thing and then to have a group of people that raise their hand ahead of time, um, I think that's really, really powerful. So that's cool. So you have here also, I, I wanted to touch on this, the one email your list will open more than any other and why most people get it wrong. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and that um, that is the welcome email that people get when they're, when they're on your list. You will get the highest open rates from that email ever. And yet most people screw it up so badly because it's just like, hi, I'm Daniel. Thank mm. you for joining my list. From now on, you know, you can expect to receive emails from me once a week. By the way, please whitelist this email address. Yeah. I can't wait to get in touch with you. Every person's welcome email on the planet basically is like mm. that. If mm. they have one, that's even right. worse if you don't have yeah. one. Right, right. You know, you sign up and it's like crickets. Um, yeah. And so I, I think what you really need to do there is give that email, that first email needs to have a huge hit of personality. 
Um, and obviously you're going to deliver your, your opt-in magnet. Um, usually that will happen in that same email, but you need to give them a huge dose of personality or your brand. Um, I, I think brands are better when they are tied more closely to a person, you know, mm, I agree. if you can't do that, then, then mm -hmm. that, or at least a voice, fine. right? A voice to the brand. Sorry, exactly, exactly. Um, and so you need to lace that email with it. So my my welcome email is, I looked at what other copywriters did, because that's my industry, copywriters. Sure. I looked mm -hmm. at what they did, and they all did a similar sort of thing. I mean, they're better than average because they're copywriters, mm -hmm. but it was still, you know, um, here's what you can expect from me, all this really cool stuff you're going to get. And it was kind of boring. So I wanted to shake things up. So, mm -hmm. I mean... It's my thing when you opt in, it's sort of this crazy story about you get kidnapped. It's, it's a joke. It's a yeah. joke, but I've kidnapped you and you know, I'm going to be forcing you to read my emails, sort of. Right, right, um, right. And I have so many people write back to me and say that that was the craziest welcome email I've ever read. <laughs> and so I'm not suggesting that you kidnap your customers in your first email. Right, but what right. I am saying is take a look at what, what are the people in your space doing and how can mm. you be totally different to them? And how can you show people, make them feel that they know you after one email, tell a really personal story or, you know, use language that you would only use with your, you know, be really informal, um, do something that is going to show them who you are and make them think this person's really different. Mm. Uh, I, I think that's a real wasted opportunity for most brands. So let me ask you this because, uh, you know, I, I hear both sides of it and I understand like where this comes from, but we want to show people who we are, like who, like what we stand for, right? Like I'm the ultimate bass fisherman and that's all I think about every single day. And oh my gosh, I, I just love doing it. And Hey, if you're like me, you know, jump on my email list and get the five tips, right? Whatever. So that that's where they're at. But if, if I come on my, or come in my, in my first email and I just talk about my entire story it's not really about them. So how much of it is taking your story and in the way that I like to do it, and it's taken years to figure this out is like, how do I tell my story without saying I, 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 and to where I can make them start almost seeming as though it's really them. Right. And it's where well, yeah. it's, it's about them. They're there reading because they want something, right? How do you be relatable to them with your story? That, that's a great question. And I just want to back up and clarify that when I say um, put your personality into it, I don't mean tell your story. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the first email should be, here's my backstory. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm saying you can still do that thing of here's what you, what you can expect. And it's good with a welcome email. You should set expectations. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm going to send you. Here's when. Um, tell them there's some great stuff coming. I just mean use your voice, use your personality. I, I reviewed copy for one guy the other day who had this email and he was like, um, today is the freaking best day of my life. Do you know why? Because, and then he had like a little merge tag to put your name in there because freaking Scott Bulk is on my list and he is a <laughs> kick-ass name-taken guy. And it, yeah. was, it was just really fun. Like it yeah. had all this personality in it, right? So that's what I mean more than tell your story. But what you're asking about, you know, how do I how do I make it relevant to them? I, I actually would argue that um, people want to hear from you as well as a person. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of people 
they can focus too much on this whole, you can go too far in the pendulum of it's making about the reader and you don't put any personality into it anymore. Mm. And they don't realize who they're, who they're talking to. I mean, it's, it's a really useful thing to think that you're actually writing to a friend. And mm. so you wouldn't just, unless you're a very egotistical person, you wouldn't just say, I, 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 but at the same time, you wouldn't be creepy and just constantly ask them questions or talk about them. You know, it, you'd have this natural exchange, like you're actually mm. chatting to a friend. And so what I said before about imagining one person like Dave on your list, yeah. it's a really useful thing to do. Actually think, and I don't even mean imagine an avatar. I mean, think of a real person that you actually know who's on your mm. list, who typifies the kind of customer you want and mm. actually write an email like you're writing to them and think about what he wants to know. What does he want to hear from you? What's he interested in? Mm-hmm. but then still tell him your stories. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling your stories that are on topics that are interesting to him, you hit both those. Mm. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and there is, there's a little bit of a balance there, but if you can incorporate, and I've done that and where people say, I, I love that you share stories about your kids or that you share stories about, you know, that you went to Yankee stadium with your dad, but my whole email isn't that. It's like, it's like, that's what I was doing. Exactly. And it's almost like, then you're turning it into why that, why am I even telling you that? Right? Like, like if I was telling a friend, I was like, Hey, Jimmy, uh, you know, I went to a ball game with my dad this weekend. It was an awesome time. But while I was there, I was thinking of you because there was this whole crowd of like, you know, these people here. And I was thinking to myself, I've got an email list this size, right? Like it's crazy. Right. And so I took that story, wove it into an email list. And now I can tell you like the power of an email list. If you got, if you've got 60,000 people on an email list, you fill the stadium, right? It's like, that's pretty crazy. Think about that when you send your email and then we can turn it into an email lesson. Um, What you just did, what you just did there was exactly, um, you know, I was talking before about how I had that three-part structure and that's exactly what I do, which is sort of tell a story, pivot it to a lesson, which you were there. Your lesson was like an email list could fill the stadium. Yep. And then I would, you know, pivot to what I want you to do now or click this yeah. or read more yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. It's funny how, how after you get past like the thinking it through all the time, it just becomes natural on how you do it. Um, but it does, it takes time, right? It's like you have to work, you have to work at it, but the best way to work at it is to actually start writing emails to your list. Like, exactly. wait, you know? you know absolutely and I, I i wasn't doing it like i said i used to just work for clients i used to do client mm. work i didn't send my own email so like the doctor who doesn't take his own medicine i only mm. did that earlier this year so um i know that it was like some, i know i should email people but i'm really busy um yeah. and getting into the habit it was like you know starting to exercise it was like this really sucks the first year yeah. but after that you know it's i've emailed my list every day for the last you know five or six months mm. um, and you, you get into the swing of it. And eventually it can be a really enjoyable thing because you, you send out these things to your list and they come back to you and there's this bit of feedback. You get to know them. They mm. say that was a great email. You make some sales. Um, it's really beneficial for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, Hey, I know it's getting later and later by the minute for you. So we're going to let you uh, get off to bed so you can take care of those kids. Hey, before we let you go though, I, first off, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this and I'll probably have to get you back on. I might even have you come on as a special guest inside of our Academy and we can do a whole session on, on uh, email copy and and writing and all of that stuff. Do like a little workshop. That would be fun. Um, But let people know how could they, hear more from you, get on your email list. If there's even a way, um, how can people get connected with you and, and kind of see a little bit more about what you're up to? 
Yeah, well, I'm definitely a, a practice what you preach kind of guy. So um, teach email by doing emails at persuasivepage.com. Um, like I said, there is an opt-in bonus. It's all about email and it's all about like writing copy and marketing. Um, so you can, you can opt in there for free if, if that's interesting. Mm, I, I love that. And I, I suggest people do, um, again, just to study your emails, right? Like that's, that's kind of what I've done through the years. Uh, have you ever heard of Ryan Lee? Uh, I vaguely familiar, but I'm okay. not. Ryan Lee has been around. He's been in the internet marketing space for years and he just, he's a great email writer and just, he knows how to do exactly what you just said too, like story lesson possibly sell or let people know something's coming. Right. And, um, and him and I've become friends and I've had him on the podcast and I've just, I've jumped on his list years ago just to read his emails to get like in that, in that flow of like, how does it work? Like copywriting is something that I'm interested in because it goes with all of the marketing stuff that we do, whether it's Facebook, whether it's, you know, writing an email, whether it's writing a sales page, like whatever. So I definitely suggest people jump on your list and just, Again, follow along and, uh, and if they have any questions, obviously reach out because you're all about going back and forth. Like you said, you want that dialogue. So um, Daniel, once again, thank you, man, for doing this. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this, your evening to do this. And um, yeah, I would love to stay connected with you. So once again, thank you. All right, so there you have it. Another great interview and hopefully you were inspired by that story, but also that you took some, some of those lessons that Daniel shared with us on really copywriting and writing emails and, and really the power in, uh, in emails and, and email marketing and all of that stuff. So again, if you want the show notes to this episode, head on over to brandcreators.com forward slash 870 and you'll get all the show notes, the transcripts and all the links. You'll also get all the links to go on over and, and uh, check out Daniel's website and you can jump on his list. Uh, I do really think it's a good idea to just get on someone else's list just to see how they're writing to their audience and really understanding that there's a lot of moving parts, but yet it can become simple if you know a formula or at least the process to writing email or just writing copy for your ads. If you're building your email list, all of that stuff, copywriting can really, really help you in doing all of that. So again, wanted to thank Daniel once again for doing this. It was awesome. And uh, definitely go over and check out his stuff. He's a pretty cool guy. All right, guys. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now let's rock your brand.